2,000 members. Support for the movement skyrocketed earlier this year after the Panama Papers revealed that former Prime Minister Sigmundur Gunlaugsson held investments in offshore accounts. You're listening to the KBOO Evening News. This is a volunteer-produced newscast, and we encourage your participation. Call us with your breaking news stories at 503-231-8032. Our production team for tonight's newscast is Demi Hellenius and Stacy Holtman. The producer is Ray Bodwell. Special thanks to Free Speech Radio News and Christopher Francisco. Our engineer is Ian Gadbury. The KBOO Evening News and Public Affairs Director is Lisa Loving. A podcast of this newscast is available on our website at kboo.fm slash evening news. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at KBOO News. You're listening to KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM, K282BH Philomath on 104.3 FM, and K220HR Hood River on 91.9 FM. I'm Linda Olson-Osterland. And I'm Liam Delta. Coming up Monday morning on KBU at 7, Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman and Juan Gonzalez. At 8 on More Talk Radio, Celeste and Cecil speak with the Reverend Dr. Otis Moss III, Reverend Dr. T. Allen Bethel, and pastor and activist E.D. Mondain Jr. about the upcoming 2016 Collins Lecture, Redeeming the Soul of America, Race, Justice, and Reconciliation. At 9 on the Old Mole Variety Hour, Bill Resnick speaks with T.R. Reed of Colorado Foundation for Universal Healthcare. They talk about problems with our current healthcare system. The movie moles review the horror film It Follows, and the Left in the Law team discusses law and order measures in the November election. At 10, Chris Andre hosts Air Cascadia. And at 10.15, Locus Focus, a weekly show about our place on the planet. Thank you, KBOO members, for your generous support. If you're not yet a member... You can become one by going to kboo.fm and clicking on Donate. Stay tuned now for the State of Cannabis, followed by Bread and Roses at 6. And have a great weekend. Keep breathing. Good night, Linda. Good night, Liam. Welcome to the October edition of the State of Cannabis. I'm Ed Melnick. And I'm Amy Paradata. The State of Cannabis is aired on the fourth Friday of every month at 5.30 p.m. We hope to provide listeners with relevant and interesting information on the subject of cannabis in Oregon and around the country. Tonight we have attorney Leland Berger. He's going to be updating us on what's happening with cannabis as far as the elections go around the country. Ed spoke with several at the Hempstock event last month. Among them are James Gray from California, hemp farmer and Oregon gubernatorial candidate Cliff Thomason, and Danny Danko of High Times fame. 
And finally, attorney Courtney Moran talks about the hemp industry in Oregon. Let's get things started off with Leland Berger. Ed? Thanks, Amy. Leland Berger is an attorney with the Cannabis Business Compliance Council, and he chairs the Portland Normal Legislative Committee. Welcome to the show, Leland. Thank you. It's good to be back again. It's becoming a regular thing here to have you here on the show. Well, I, I, if you keep, I'll keep coming as long as you keep asking me. <laughs> well, here we are, uh, something like a little over a week before the election. What's happening? Well, there's there's a lot of stuff happening both uh, in Oregon and around the country. You know, as a result of ballot measure ninety one, there are um, uh, fifty or so uh, referenda where um, municipalities or cities or counties in counties where less than 55% voted no, the city council or the county commission had um, uh, voted to ban the uh, uh, liquor control adult use licensing. And, of, of, of marijuana. Yeah, and also the uh, medical dispensaries and the medical uh, the medical uh, processing. They're, they can't ban the medical cultivation, the grow sites, but they uh, and they can't ban the personal grow sites, and they can't ban personal use, but they can ban these other things, and if less than 55% voted no, then it's automatically referred to the people. And uh, the two uh, biggest ones of these in, in terms of both, uh, well, geographic area and also in terms of uh, significance, in my opinion, are, are, are the county ones. There's a, a referendum in uh, Marion County, and there's a referendum in uh, Douglas County. In Douglas County, there's a group... Uh, called the uh, Umpqua uh, Cannabis Association, and the Umpqua Cannabis Association has been uh, vigorously uh, leading the charge to get uh, this ban repealed, uh, including uh, billboards, and I know uh, longtime Oregon uh, cannabis activist John Sejo has been speaking at a bunch of different events in in Douglas County, and it's important because there's a lot of medical growers in in uh, Douglas County because the climate is good for cultivating, and because Douglas is one of those counties that was really pretty hard hit by the uh, the shift in industry away from the timber industry. You know, Roseburg really is a timber town, and and uh, boy, if uh, they license. Uh, uh, if they allow licensing for, oh, and the city of Roseburg already allows um, dispensaries. There, there are uh, medical and there can be adult use dispensaries in the city of Roseburg, but it's really about, the issue in Roseburg is really about, <clears throat> and Douglas County is really about the cultivation. Uh, similarly, uh, Marion County is on the ballot and uh, there's a, a, a group, uh, uh, you know, yes on the, the different measures down there. And if you Google that, you can find their website and donate. And if you Google Oregon Cannabis Industry Association, excuse me, Oregon can excuse me, Umpqua Cannabis Association, UMPQUA, uh, then you'd be able to donate there. Um, it, Marion it, County, like um, Douglas County, uh, is, uh, is uh, you know, you get east of, of Salem and 
It's a big farming community. It's a big. It's not quite Lynn County, but it's it's where there also is a referendum, but not organized support for repealing it that I'm aware of. Um, so, uh, but Marion County, similarly, it's a lot of farming communities, and there's there's real opportunities there for uh, for them to be able to get some of the the tax revenue. So, why would they want to ban it? Well, I think that most of the banning and also the the places where it's been overregulated derives from can of bigotry. It's really an irrational uh, fear or hatred of uh, cannabis and people associated with it. Uh, you know, kind of interesting example is Lapine in, in Deschutes County, Southern Deschutes County. They have two medical marijuana dispensaries because they have compassion about patients and they're allowing production licensing because, um, uh, there's there are indoor cultivation facilities that they're able to extract funds from for the city, but they don't want to see it growing, and they don't really want to see people who are healthy buying it, and so they've banned those other things, and that's on the ballot in in Lapine. Hmm. Additionally, uh, Bree Malarkey, who is the CEO of Bree's Botanicals, and uh, has two licensed adult use retail stores, she's running for the state legislature from uh, uh, District 55, which is held by a, gay, a guy named, I want to say his name is Michael Myers. He is the, if if that's not his name, the position is he's the majority, or excuse me, the minority leader, the Republican leader in the, in the state house down in northern Jackson County. So it's a real uphill fight for her, but it would be good to have uh, a cannabis activist and a cannabis businesswoman in the in the legislature, and uh, people can uh, find out how to support Bree by going uh, going to her site as well. Other other states that have medical marijuana initiatives include uh, Florida, um, Arkansas, which last time I looked had two initiatives, which was a little problematic. Um, um, Montana and uh, North Dakota. At Florida is is uh, there's a lot of money behind killing the uh, initiatives in Florida right now, aren't there? Yeah, there's a medical initiative in Florida. They currently have this um, legislative uh, CBD law, cannabidiol, uh, the the cannabinoid that uh, doesn't have psychoactive properties but has healing properties, and they wrote in that to be able to get a license to grow, you had to have a business there for 30 years, and there were only seven uh, licenses, and oddly enough, there were only seven nurseries in Florida that um, that had been in business for 30 years. But um, the other thing that's odd in Florida is that they have in their state constitution, their state constitution requires a super majority for, um, uh, to pass an initiative of 60%. So last time it was on the ballot, they had 58%. And they lost. This time uh, it's polling in the 70s. So anyway, the adult use initiatives are in Nevada, I mentioned, Arizona, uh, Massachusetts, Maine, and the big one, California. Right. And, and the polls look like pretty positive for California. The polls look pretty positive in all five states. Uh, in Nevada, because it's a smaller population and because, I mean, t to give you an idea about this guy, um, is it Edelman or Aronson? I forget his last name, but the 
the billionaire who is the owns a casino there that's anti virulently anti marijuana in both Nevada and in Florida. He, uh, um, I think it's Edelman. He uh, he bought a newspaper there, and in, then, in Nevada. In Nevada, and the newspaper which had endorsed the legalization initiative issued a new endorsement to vote no on it. Now I think there are. And what's his motivation? I mean, is it a religious thing, or I, I don't get it. You know, it's confusing because he also contributes to Hebrew University in Jerusalem, which is doing some of the real uh, uh, what do you, uh, point uh, uh, pointed research currently, including for things like Parkinson's, cannabis as a healing agent for Parkinson's. So it's so it's odd, but uh, I think. I think somehow it's, it has to do more with his his main source of income, the um, the uh, gambling, and I think he thinks if people are using cannabis instead of drinking, they're less likely to be giving their money to casinos. Hmm. What's happening on the Oregon scene in, in, in the legislature when the new year starts? Portland uh, Normal's legislative committee expects to be able to file two bills pre-session. One would create... Uh, uh, licensing by OLCC for cannabis lounges and also for a special event and special event server licenses. The other, uh, the other would help with employment discrimination. Um, and, uh, and, and we'll see. I mean, I haven't seen the draft, the final drafts of either one, so I'm hesitant to comment further on those than that. Those are initiatives that will come in the next, next session? Or? They're, they're bills that okay. are going to be filed uh, in December so that they'll be ready for the January uh, session of okay. the Oregon legislature. We're also uh, continuing um, to do outreach. Uh, Scott Gordon, who's the uh, director of uh, Portland Normal, has been, and uh, Rachel Kurtz, who's a lawyer and a board member, a longtime activist, have been meeting with uh, different uh, uh, groups that have um, concerns about families and children and and uh, uh, took them to a dispensary so that they could see what it actually looked like. If listeners are interested in getting involved in uh, Portland Normal's legislative committee, we meet the first Monday of each month except for July and uh, September when it's the 4th of July and Labor Day or the first Mondays. Uh, and and I guess January. So the next meeting will be at, on November seventh. It's at uh, you know the night before the election in about a week. And and um, the address is five four two seven Southeast seventy second. We we meet the first Monday of each month starting at eight o'clock. Usually goes about an hour. And uh, it's on seventy uh, second, uh, a couple of blocks south of. Um, Foster in Southeast Portland. So um, that's uh, that's a lot of what's going on. Well, we, uh, we're out of time today, Leland, but uh, uh, we'll definitely catch you again next month here at, on the State of Cannabis. Thanks for coming in. Thank you, Ed. Leland Berger. I'm here with Judge James Gray. And he's visiting with us here in Portland, Oregon, uh, for the Hempstock event here in Portland. And thanks for being with us today. Well, it's certainly nice to be with good people and look forward to talking about whatever you want to ask me. 
Well, I understand that you're really plugged into what's going on in California in the cannabis realm, and, and that's kind of what interested me most. Well, pretty much. Actually, I'm a former federal prosecutor, a Navy JAG attorney, and I was a trial court judge in Orange County in California for 25 years. And I actually saw in my own courtroom that our nation's drug policy, drug prohibition, was simply not working. So I did something very unusual for a sitting trial court judge back in 1992 and held a press conference and said exactly that. We, it isn't working. We couldn't do it worse if we tried. Let's put our heads together and come up with something better, which again wouldn't be more difficult because we're just taking it on the chin pretty much in every way you can think of. So included in that, of course, is marijuana. And you'd look around in my own courtroom and see that we were ruining people's lives, taking nonviolent offenders and putting them in jail and prison for ridiculously long periods of time. In the meantime, not prosecuting robbery, rape, and murder because we were losing our resources in prosecuting nonviolent drug offenders. And that has continued pretty much ever since until pretty much now that, uh, of course, you in Oregon and, and Alaska, Washington, uh, Colorado were the pioneers with regard to marijuana initiatives. But California now has an initiative, Proposition 64, that is on the ballot in November, will in effect treat marijuana like wine, recreationally, 21 years of age or older, in California. And, and you're, you've been pretty involved lately in, in the whole cannabis movement down there in California. Well, that's true. I was telling you a few moments ago that I am at this moment the chairman of the board of directors for something called Cannabis Sativa Incorporated, a CBDS where traded publicly in the stock exchange. And uh, never in my life did I feel that I would be involved with uh, a Cannabis Sativa outfit. But we try to be the cream of the crop. Uh, we will uh, be involved with this. I even got uh, former deputy chief of police, uh, Steve Downing, from the Los Angeles Police Department to be on our board of directors as well. So Steve and I look at each other and say, boy, I never figured this would happen. But it is hemp, medical marijuana, recreational marijuana. Uh, they are viable. It's going to be a medical revolution. The CBD oil is, is something that's going to be phenomenal. And, you know, if people want to smoke marijuana, fine. Just, you know, the government, as I'm a libertarian, the government has as much of a right to tell me as an adult what I can put into my body as it does what I put into my mind. It's none of their business. But if you or I go home tonight, drink 11 martinis, certainly not a smart thing to do, medically unhealthy, but not a violation of law, nor should it be, unless I hit you over the head with a pool cue or I drive a motor vehicle impaired, but now that's a crime because I am putting your safety at risk. Criminal justice system is really good at protecting us from each other, but not designed to be or is not effective at protecting me from myself. Get them out of that whole business. I'll second that. <laughs> I didn't think I'd have trouble convincing you. I was the vice presidential candidate in 2012 with Governor Gary Johnson as the libertarian candidate for president. Uh, and I am supporting Governor Gary Johnson for president now as a libertarian in 2016. And his running mate uh, taking my place, and rightfully so, is a former Massachusetts governor, two terms from, uh, as I say, Massachusetts, Bill Weld, two Republican governors in Democratic states that were reelected by stronger margins. They work well with people. People, and they stand up for what they believe. Governor Gary Johnson in 1999, still the highest ranking elected official in the United States of America to say marijuana prohibition is wrong. Governor Bill Weld actually uh, stood up in favor of gay marriage back in 1992, long before it was popular, took a lot of heat for it. They stand up for what they believe in. Hooray for that. They are far superior to anybody else, not only running for president still, but has ever been running. They are the genuine article. Judge Gray, thanks so much for talking with us today. 
My pleasure. Life is good, and uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. Take care. So I'm speaking right now here at Hempstock, and we're talking with Danny Danko, yes. from uh, who's a photographer and uh, a journalist for High Times, right? Uh, yes, High Times Magazine. Uh, I've been there for about 15 years. And yeah, I'm the senior cultivation editor. So I write about uh, you know, basically information for people on how to grow their own cannabis. Oh, wonderful. And you're also just coming out with a, a, a new uh, set of podcasts. That's right. Uh, my podcast, Free Weed from Danny Danko, has been on hiatus for about a year. We're coming back uh, this October uh, with weekly episodes. So I'm very excited about that. And uh, we're going to do them uh, weekly. And uh, yeah, we're bringing back High Times Presents Free Weed from Danny Danko. Um, and it's, it's going to be... Uh, a lot of grow information, a lot of cultivation stuff, but also a lot about the culture, um, the politics, and all of the changes that are happening with cannabis freedom. Now, there's a lot going on around the country, but uh, New York isn't doing a whole lot right now, are they? It's true. Uh, we have an issue because all of our legislation has to come through our legislature. We can't vote on initiatives the way some other states can. So, And our politicians are really very far behind. Uh, we have a medical marijuana program that was brought in by Andrew Cuomo, the governor, um, but it's very lacking and it doesn't, it's just very uh, poorly designed program that's basically designed to fail. So um, there are, you know, ways that patients are getting cannabis products in New York, but it's really not at the level where it should be, which I personally believe um, people should be able to grow their own and be able to go and purchase flowers, concentrates, edibles, topicals, uh, salves, all of those things should be available in the marketplace and people should also be able to produce their own from growing their own to making their own uh, edibles and all of that. Well now once California passes their initiative uh, maybe New York will get on the bandwagon. Yeah I mean I think once the whole West Coast has gone and we've got other states in the, on the East Coast Massachusetts is voting on legalization as well um, for adult use uh, this November. So there's a lot of changes happening in the East as well and eventually New York will, will come along. Um, the war on pot isn't over until the nonviolent prisoners are released from jail and granted amnesty and that sort of thing because I think that's one of the greatest injustices of it is uh, throwing peaceful people into prison with violent people and changing their personas and psyches uh, for, from and giving traumatizing them and making them having to live in those type of conditions. Uh, so I think we need we need to maintain the fight so that even though there is freedom, even though there's money being made, uh, we need to make sure that prisoners like Eddie Lepp and many many thousands whose names we don't know are freed. Danny, thanks so much for talking with us today. Thank you for having me. And I'm speaking with Cliff Thomason, who's uh, not only a hemp farmer, but also a candidate for governor. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for coming. Yeah. So uh, I don't know what, what we should talk about first, hemp or let's talk about hemp. All right. Well, um, myself and my company, we're the first uh, people to legally uh, grow hemp last year in Oregon. First time in almost 80 years. and. Uh, and we had great success last year. Uh, we were one of only nine farmers statewide, and this year there's 77 farmers, so we're excited about that. That's wonderful. And the, so 
what mostly happens to the kind of hemp that you're growing? Well, we grow two different types of crop. We grow a seed crop, which we we, we uh, press the seed and make a seed oil, and uh, and we have a couple uh, customers for that on the seed oil. It's really used uh, for cosmetics and soaps and lotions, and so uh, we have clients for that. And then the the remaining seed meal cake we have sold to uh, brewing companies and distillers for uh, some craft. And this is down in. We're down in uh, Southern Oregon. We're in, uh, in Josephine County and Douglas County. And, and that kind of hemp doesn't even have to be tested, does it? It does. We don't have a certified seed program yet, so it does have to be tested. Department of Agriculture comes out and makes sure it's under the 0.3 THC level. And because if you tried to smoke that stuff, you'd probably just have a big headache, wouldn't you? It, you would definitely have a big headache. It's uh, It just won't even uh, do anything for you. You know, and we grow a certain seed variety that's an auto-flowering one, um, so we can coexist with other marijuana farmers. Uh, an autoflower is something when you plant in the ground, you harvest it 90 days later. It's finished. And it's not photocentric like other cannabis. And so we can be planted in March and be out before marijuana flowers so we don't cross-pollinate with our other medical crop or other people's medical or recreational crops. All right. Well, uh, did you want to uh, mention anything about uh, the gubernatorial race? Well, the Independent Party of Oregon was certified as a third major party last year in Oregon. Uh, a lot of people still aren't aware of that. But we did have a primary uh, in May, uh, which I won. And uh, there will be three candidates to choose from in the upcoming November 8th election, whether it be the Republican, the Democrat, or now the Independent Party candidate. Which is you. Which is me. And so I really wish everyone would get out and, and, and spread the word that there's going to be three choices this year. You'll find me in the voters' pamphlet, on the ballot, and you can mark it accordingly. Cliff, thanks for talking with us. Thank you so much. We have Courtney Moran here in the studio. She's an attorney. Her company is Earth Law LCC. She's also the founder and lobbyist for the Oregon Industrial Hemp Farmers Association. Welcome, Courtney. Thank you for having me. Since the name of the program is the state of cannabis, maybe you can clarify the term cannabis for us. The name cannabis covers both hemp and marijuana, right? Correct. Uh, cannabis is the genus, and depending on what type of classification system you follow, uh, many call it cannabis sativa L or cannabis indica. And if you follow a classification system that has subspecies, it would be cannabis sativa subspecies sativa or cannabis sativa subspecies indica, just depending on what type of classification system you follow. But they're, but, both, they're both really marijuana, right? Correct. Yeah. Marijuana and hemp are both varieties of the genus cannabis. But the true difference between the two is that one is intoxicating and one is not. And in the cannabis plant, intoxication is determined by a ratio of the percentage of tetrahydrocannabinol or THC and cannabidiol, CBD. So if you have a cannabis plant that has a THC-CBD ratio of greater than one, meaning there is more THC than CBD within the plant, it is intoxicating and it is marijuana. Whereas if you have a cannabis plant that has a THC-CBD ratio of less than one, meaning there is more CBD than THC within the plant, it is not intoxicating and it is industrial hemp. And that is the true scientific breakdown. Now, some scientists believe that there is an intoxication threshold with THC at 1%, but the true determination is based on that ratio. So your specialty is, as an attorney, working with the Oregon Industrial Hemp Farmers Association. It's really all about hemp, right? 
Yes. I mean, I am a cannabis attorney. I work on all aspects of the genus cannabis, but my passion is with industrial hemp. I approach cannabis from an environmental standpoint. It is incredible all of the sustainable products that we can be making from industrial hemp the phytoremediation properties of cleaning up toxins out of the soil i mean the list just goes on and on and on about the benefits of industrial hemp and i just want to get the word out to everyone and my goal is to ensure that all u.s farmers have the right to freely cultivate industrial hemp that they once had Almost more than 20 states have actually legalized industrial hemp cultivation, either full cultivation or just research. And in Oregon, we have fully implemented our program. So it wasn't until February of 2015 that we had our first licenses issued, but we did have at least five farmers that had viable crops during 2015. And it was at the end of that 2015 season when Cliff Thomason, one of the original hemp farmers, and I founded the Oregon Industrial Hemp Farmers Association to really represent the farmers in the state and give them a voice at the legislature and get a program in place that worked for them, not just the laws that was currently in place. And you've been involved with hemp harvesting lately since it's harvest time, right? Yeah, absolutely. Farmers have been harvesting for the past month and are continuing to harvest now, hopefully getting all their plants out before all this rain. <laughs> so I have been you know, working on the legislation, working with farmers to get their applications in, you know, developing the actual legislation that was put in place this past year, working with the department on rules. And so for me, it's just very rewarding to get out into the field and to see the farmers actually you know, their their product, they see the crop that they grew and see how proud and successful they are. It's incredible. I mean, I just, I see the love and the compassion and on everyone's face and just how excited they are that they're getting to grow a crop that farmers a hundred years ago never thought twice about cultivating. But historically, hemp has been grown for over 12,000 years. So it's only this past 80 so years that the public has been, you know, told different things about hemp. If you are interested in cultivating industrial hemp or just getting involved in the industrial hemp program in Oregon, feel free to reach out to the Oregon Industrial Hemp Farmers Association. You can always check out our website, OregonHempFarmers.com. Courtney Moran, thanks for coming in today. Thank you. Thanks, Amy. Well, there, there sure are a lot of things going on. And uh, as, as a chairwoman of Women Grow, you have something coming up as well. We certainly do. The uh, first Thursday of November, we'll be having our monthly signature networking event, and it's going to be Thursday, November 3rd at uh, the Laurelhurst Club on Southeast Ankeny here in Portland from 6 to 9 p.m., and we're having a medical cannabis panel. Uh, we've got uh, Dr. Rachel Knox. She is one of the founders of CannaMDs. Uh, we have nurse Rebecca White, who is part of uh, Converse with a Nurse with uh, Panacea. And we also have Professor P from Dynasty Genetics. Oh, fantastic. And that's uh, coming right up here on November 3rd. November the 3rd. Yeah, where again? Where it's going to be at the Laurelhurst Club on Southeast Ankeny. Until next month, I'm Amy Paradotta. And I'm Ed Melnick, wishing you all the best. It's six o'clock. You're listening to KBOO Portland. KBOO Community Radio is a proud co-sponsor of Dia de los Muertos PDX 2016, Wednesday, November 2nd, from noon to 11 p.m. at Audio Cinema in Portland. 
This annual celebration of the Day of the Dead honors our loved ones who have passed. There will be altars, music, face painting, food, drinks, and more. Again, that's Dia de los Muertos PDX 2016, Wednesday, November 2nd, from noon to 11 p.m. at Audio Cinema, 226 Southeast Madison Street in Portland. More information can be found 